Cristobal, Marco, Laura, Sally, Beta, Delta, and Zeta. So far in 2020, and I say so far because if we've learned anything in 2020, it's that anything could happen. So far in 2020, seven hurricanes have put a bullseye on my home state of Louisiana, with five of those actually following through and making landfall somewhere along our coastline. Anything can happen, and plans can certainly change in the blink of an eye. Hey friends, and welcome to episode 53 of It's About Time, a podcast sharing stories and strategies for women seeking better work-life and balance. I'm your host, Anna Dearman Cornick, and as a time management coach and former crisis communications pro, you name it, I've talked to reporters about it. Oil spills, droughts, fires, explosions... I know a thing or two about navigating a crisis, but that doesn't mean that they're any less difficult or exhausting for me. Last week started off with so much joy. Scott and I found out on Tuesday that we'll be welcoming a second baby girl to the family in mid-March. And then on Wednesday came the confirmation that Hurricane Zeta was heading straight for our part of the state with 80-mile-per-hour winds projected for our city. The thing about hurricanes is that they'll look like they're coming straight for you. And then, in the last two days or so, they'll shift left or jog right, and instead of a hurricane, you've just got a little bit of rain, or maybe even a beautiful day. But this one was coming right for us. And that's when the decision-making started. Would we evacuate? Where would we go? Should we ask to stay with friends? Should we drive the almost five hours north to stay with my parents? So long story short, we packed up the car, loaded up Penelope, our 13-year-old Yorkie, and buckled almost two-year-old Camilla into her car seat and headed west for Baton Rouge. I packed my travel podcast kit just in case, which basically looks like zipping my mic and pop filter into a pouch and tossing it into my backpack. As a podcaster, it's important for me that you know that I can't get this weekly show out of my head and into your AirPods without some help. I rely on an awesome editing team to cut out my coughing fits, and to be honest, now that I'm pregnant, I burp quite frequently, and they're kind enough to cut those out too. But in order to make sure that they have enough time to make me sound better, I've got a deadline to hit. Which is why if this intro sounds a little different, it's because I'm editing it myself. So... I'd been working on an episode all about how to become a better morning person and was so incredibly excited about it. As a lifelong morning hater, I've been waking up at 5.05 a.m. lately and starting my day before the birds start chirping and the sun comes up. And I was really looking forward to sharing what I've learned about energy phases, morning best practices, and nighttime rituals. But I also knew that relocating to a hotel with a toddler and a yappy little dog would likely make hitting my deadline impossible. Anything can happen, and plans can certainly change in the blink of an eye. 
We were fortunate enough to have no damage from the storm, and our power was restored on Thursday evening, much faster than the projected three to five days without power. So we made it home safe and sound that Thursday night, completely exhausted and suffering from a serious case of decision fatigue. So among the other tough decisions that we made last week as we evacuated, I had to make the call to postpone what was supposed to be episode 53, How to Become a Better Morning Person. But here's what I've got for you instead to tide you over until all of that morning goodness comes your way in two weeks. Stay tuned for a replay of It's About Time, episode 19, Win the Morning, Win the Day, How to Design Your Next Level Morning Routine. In this episode, I dive into why your early morning hours are the best time for personal and professional development and how having a next level morning routine can help you get promoted at work, lose weight, get smarter, and be happier. This is a really good one, and you'll walk away with some great ideas for taking your mornings to the next level. And you might even already be doing some of these things now. Then, Be sure to come back next week for episode 54, where you'll meet Kristen Brabant, a success coach who recently took a huge, terrifying leap in her life and career. And I have no doubt that her advice to anyone considering a big move will inspire you to take that first itty bitty tiny baby step. Get ready, y'all. It's a good one. All right. I really hope that you stick around and stay tuned for episode 19 of It's About Time, Win the Morning, Win the Day, and I look forward to talking with you soon. You're listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Around here, we believe that busy is not a badge of honor. Your host, Anna Dearman Cornick, is here to share tips and strategies to help you make the most of your time. Listen in on real conversations and success stories to find out how other go-getters are getting things done. If you're ready to step away from the overwhelm and spend your time on what matters most, then you're in the right place. Here's your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick. One of the most common things I hear as a time management coach is, I just need a better morning routine. That would solve all of my problems. And a lot of times it's true. Our morning sets the tone for the rest of our day. A frazzled morning almost always gives way to a frazzled day. Fortunately, the secret to smooth mornings and smooth days is simple. But like most things in life that are worth it, it's not easy. If it were easy, we'd all have perfect leisurely mornings. We'd wake up refreshed without an alarm, pop on our gym clothes, head out for a three-mile run, and get back home in time to savor a steaming hot cup of coffee, read a few pages in a devotional or professional development book, meditate for 30 minutes, and take our time getting dressed for the day, all before the kids wake up. We'd never be late for anything, and life would be perfect and beautiful all the time. So I can't promise you that you'll never be late for work again, but I can give you the inspiration you need to design a morning routine that not only gets you out the door, but also makes you calmer, 
smarter, more in shape, and ready to rock your day. No joke, with the right morning routine, you can accomplish all of those things and more. But first, if you listened to episode 17, which was all about the five must-have routines you need in your life right now, morning routine included, then you might remember this part. I think it's important to do a quick recap on the difference between habits and routines because they're similar in a lot of ways. A habit is an action we do often in a regular or repeated way. Back in episode 11, I dedicated a whole episode to starting habits that stick and kicking the bad ones. So if you're looking for more on habits specifically, make sure you check out episode 11. A routine, on the other hand, is a regular way of doing things in a particular order. Routines are often created with intention and can become habit with practice and repetition. And once a routine becomes habit, your busy brain requires less energy to process the information it needs to move through each step in your routine. This frees up brain space to focus on more important decisions. So what exactly is this whole next level morning thing I keep mentioning, and how do we create such mind-blowing results with it? In a nutshell, a next level morning is your typical morning routine accentuated with intentional personal development. Many effective leaders and super successful business owners, people like Oprah, Sarah Blakely, Brene Brown, and tons more, carve out time in the morning hours for reading personal development books, spiritual devotions, meditation, prayer, affirmations, visualization, and exercise. They've found that putting these important but not urgent items at the top of their schedule ensures that they're tackled before the unpredictability of our days sets in. Taking time for yourself before the demands and distractions of the world barge in enables you to get uninterrupted, focused time exactly how you want to spend it. So I use the phrase personal development because it can take so many forms. And it goes without saying that personal development is going to look different for all of us. Sure, there are common themes like exercise, prayer, or meditation. But for you, maybe your version of personal development is spending 30 minutes practicing the guitar or pursuing a creative passion like scrapbooking or painting. Maybe your version of a next level morning involves putting the previous day's expenses into a spreadsheet, or maybe it's uploading the 87 photos you took of your one-year-old in the bathtub to an external hard drive. (laughs) And if none of these sound quite right for you, I've got some ideas and suggestions coming up. Basically, if there's something in your life you wish you spent more time on, and you've said to yourself, if I only had an extra hour in the day, I would read more or I'd get to the gym, or I'd finally train for that 5K. Getting up an hour earlier than your normal wake-up time is where that extra hour lives. And to be clear, a next-level morning is not about waking up early for the sake of waking up early. If you start waking up at 5 a.m. but spend from 5 to 6 cycling through Facebook, Instagram, and your bank account, you're missing the point. It's about using that extra hour on those things that will help you get to the next level in whatever is important to you. Okay, so you might be thinking right now, but Anna, I'm not a morning person. This is not going to work for me. 
actually, chances are you're more of a morning person than you realize. In fact, only about 20 to 25% of people are true night owls, experiencing their energy peak in the late afternoon to evening. Most people are morning to mid-morning people. In his book, When, which I'll link in the show notes, author Daniel Pink calls those two groups larks, the morning people, and third birds, third birds being the folks who fall somewhere in the middle. Oh, and most people are third birds, if you're curious. And now I'm making a note to do a full episode on larks, owls, and third birds and how to find your peak energy time during the day, so get excited. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make here is that you might be more of a morning person than you realize if you allow yourself the opportunity to settle in at an appropriate hour and get a full eight hours of sleep. I know. Okay, y'all. So I know we could all probably use a little more time in our day, right? You're no stranger to busy schedules and intentionally filling them up to the brim because you just have so much to get done. But sometimes it feels like you don't really ever have the time to just slow down and enjoy the simple things. Simple things like when my toddlers are giggling and playing nicely together in the backyard, or when a Sunday afternoon nap sounds too good to pass up. We all want more time to enjoy these kinds of things, right? Well, if you love personality quizzes like I do, then you're in for a treat. In my new quiz, which you can take for free at AnnaDKornick.com forward slash quiz, I'm helping you uncover what it will take to get you from chaos to calm, to finally feel like you have space in your days. I know it can feel downright frustrating to keep using the same old time management strategies that just don't seem to work for you. You've got the planners, the calendars, apps, you're doing all the things, but you still feel like you have no time. And that's because you need time management strategies that work for your personality and your life. In my 10 plus years working in crisis communications and chaos management, and all the time I've spent with my clients, I've learned that everyone has their own needs. And knowing what those needs are can really help you discover the best approach to planning your days. Knowing yourself can help you ease up busy schedules, and find more calm and clarity in your week. Do you want to know how to get there? To have more breathing room in your days? Let's figure out your time management personality type so you can uncover exactly what you need to do to feel more productive, less stressed, and more balanced. You can take the quiz at AnnaDKornick.com forward slash quiz, and I'll make sure to link to the quiz in our show notes. All right, on with the show. I know, I know how easy it can be to get sucked into that bedtime Instagram scroll. And the next thing you know, your eyes are glazed over and it's 1130. The only time you get to yourself right now after the kids are in bed and the laundry is folded might start at 10 p.m. But what if you started the day with that time for yourself and create a ripple effect leading to a huge impact on the rest of your day and your life as a whole? I mean, what's the worst that could happen? I completely understand that winding down in the evenings to prep for a solid night's sleep could be its own episode as well, but here are some quick tips for prepping yourself for sleep so you can make the most of your mornings. 
Don't work out within two hours of your planned bedtime. Once you get your blood pumping with a workout, it can be tough to bring yourself back down in order to get some Z's. Create a bedtime ritual, going through the same steps every time. It signals to your brain that it's time to shut it down. Put your screens away, iPads, smartphones, whatever, at least two hours before bedtime and even earlier if you're able. You probably know by now that your screens emit blue light and blue light at night is bad for you. Taking in blue light in the evening hours suppresses melatonin production, which affects circadian rhythms and affects your sleep. If you have to look at a screen for whatever reason, consider getting some blue light glasses. They don't block out all the blue light, but they can be helpful. Oh, and I know the iPhone has a night shift mode, which is supposed to decrease the amount of blue light it emits, and it does. It decreases it, but only slightly. A 2018 study by the Lighting Research Center has shown that using night shift mode doesn't really help anything. So consider that. You could also consider taking melatonin, um, melatonin gummies, or maybe even CBD gummies. I take melatonin gummies every night, and I definitely notice a difference when I forget to take them. And I haven't used CBD, but I have a friend who swears by her CBD gummies at nighttime. You could also pick out some blackout curtains. We have some from Pottery Barn Kids and some equally effective blackout curtains from Target. Grab a sound machine like the Marpac Dom for white noise and blocking out distracting sounds. If you have a bedmate that likes to stay up and read in bed, grab a sleep mask. They're not just for Audrey Hepburn and breakfast activities. Just ask my husband, who has a bedmate that likes to stay up and read before lights out. Oh, and P.S. I'll link to my favorite blue light glasses, my melatonin gummies, our blackout curtains, our sound machine, and Scott's sleep mask in the show notes. Okay, so far we've talked about what a next level morning is, why mornings are the best time for personal development, and how to prep for a good night's sleep so you can wake up refreshed. Now, where are my snooze button addicts at? If you're a chronic snooze button pusher, like I used to be, you're going to love Hal Elrod's five-step snooze-proof strategy. In his book, The Miracle Morning, Hal Elrod shares what he calls the not-so-obvious secret guaranteed to transform your life before 8 a.m. I'll link to this book in the show notes found at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 19, but spoiler alert, The secret guaranteed to transform your life is dedicating time in your morning to personal development before you get caught up in the urgency of other people's priorities. Hal designed this five-step snooze-proof strategy with five small steps that build on one another to gradually increase what he calls your wake-up motivation level, baby step by baby step. I can vouch this works. Step one, set your intentions before bed. He says, and you might agree, that your first thought in the morning is usually the last thought you had before you went to bed. So if your last thought before bed is, ugh, I can't believe I have to get up in six hours to go to my stupid job, you're probably going to wake up thinking, ugh, now I have to wake up and go to my stupid job. (laughs) 
So by thinking happy thoughts about the morning before bed, you're setting yourself up for waking up in a better mood. Step two, and you guys know this one is a no-brainer. Move your alarm across the room. Show of hands if you're still using your smartphone as an alarm clock and you're keeping it right by your bed. First, this is your permission to buy a real alarm clock. Second, even if you're using your smartphone, plug it in across the room so you have to get up out of bed to turn it off. It will be fine. Step three, brush your teeth. Okay, that really sounds like a no-brainer, but it's actually pretty strategic. What you're doing here is you're giving yourself a few mindless activities to do as your brain and body are waking up for the day. Step four, before you head straight for the coffee, drink a full glass of water. I actually put a big Yeti full of ice water on my nightstand before I go to bed, so it's right there waiting for me in the morning. Seriously, anything you can do to make your mornings as easy as possible, just do it. And here's the why behind the water. So you've been asleep for six to hopefully eight hours. Your body is dehydrated. And being dehydrated makes you feel tired even when it's not early in the morning. Pro tip, next time you're at work nodding off and considering a fourth cup of coffee, consider a big glass of water instead. You might be surprised at just how energizing it can be. And finally, the very important fifth step is to get out of your PJs and into your workout clothes. Put them on before your body is too awake to realize what's happening. And once you're in your workout clothes, you're going to be more likely to stick to a morning workout or to go for that run. Putting on workout clothes is also a signal to yourself that you're about to engage in some activity. You've heard me make the Mr. Rogers example before when he walks in the door and changes out of his jacket and into his cardigan and his outside shoes to his inside shoes. He's doing something physical to signal a change in his mindset. And putting on your workout clothes first thing has the same exact effect. So to recap, Hal Elrod's five-step snooze-proof wake-up strategy is, one, set your intentions the night before. Keep it positive. Tell yourself you're going to have a great day tomorrow. Two, keep your alarm across the room. Three, brush your teeth. Four, drink a full glass of water. And five, put on your workout clothes. In addition to those five steps, here are three ways to make getting out of bed easier because remember, we want to make things as easy as possible for ourselves. Tip one, set a timer for your bedroom lights so they come on as your alarm goes off. This one sounds pretty high tech, but with all the tech that's available these days between Alexa, Siri, and the Google Assistant, you know there's a way to make this happen. Tip two, Another option is to buy an alarm clock with this feature. This is what I have. Not only does it gradually light the room like a sunrise, but I love it even more at night when I set it to gradually dim to darkness. Going from bright light to pitch black is kind of jarring for me, and so I love easing into it. Scott gave me this clock as a gift a few years ago, so I'll do my best to find it and link to it in the show notes. And tip three, set a timer for your bedroom heater. So this is something I've done before and it's life-changing. A few apartments ago, my bathroom was always freezing. So I purchased an oscillating tower heater that had a timer feature. 
it really wasn't anything super fancy. I probably got it at Target. But setting it to start warming up the bathroom about five minutes before my alarm buzzed was pure heaven. Okay, now that we've got our anti-snooze button strategy, let me tell you about two popular methods for structuring your morning routine. Hal Elrod's Lifesavers Method and Claire Diaz-Ortiz's Present Method. So back to Hal Elrod, author of The Miracle Morning. Again, I won't completely ruin the book for you if you choose to read it, but after overcoming some very serious, life-altering obstacles, Hal discovered the power of mornings. He designed what he calls the miracle morning for himself as he was working his way out of a very difficult point in life. The six parts of Hal's miracle morning spell savers, S-A-V-E-R-S, like life savers, because together, these activities were life-saving for him. So let's look at each piece of life savers. First, S for silence. A for affirmations. V for visualizations. E is for exercise. R is for reading. And the last S is for scribing. So to unpack each of these. S for silence looks like meditation and or prayer, basically just calming your mind, practicing your focus, flexing your attention muscle, and beginning your day by focusing on a higher power. The benefits of meditation are plenty, from helping deal with stress to managing negative emotion, reducing levels of depression and anxiety, and increasing pain tolerance. The A is for affirmations. So I had never really heard of affirmations before reading The Miracle Morning, and honestly, I thought it sounded kind of weird. So wait, like I just say positive things to myself? But people like Susie Orman, Will Smith, and Oprah have been super vocal about their use of affirmations on their journey to success. So why not give it a shot? What could it hurt? This could look like writing down a few positive statements on a card and reading them every morning. Or it could be saying positive things to yourself out loud in the mirror. I am an exceptional wife and mom. I am in the top 10% for sales in my company. I have a successful business. This could also look like writing down your goals as if you've already achieved them and reading or saying those. I ran a half marathon. I am booked solid. I got the promotion. The V is for visualization. Another thing that I thought was pretty weird until I created a vision board for the first time and was completely hooked. Visualization is like a mental dress rehearsal. You might have heard before that Olympic gold medal swimmer Michael Phelps had an incredibly intense, meticulously detailed routine that he switches on before any race. Not only does he have this routine and use it in real life, but he would also mentally walk through each and every step of this routine prior to a race in order to get into the exact mindset he needed to win. Tiger Woods is known for visualizing the perfect shot before stepping up to the tee box. Picturing success and putting yourself in the moment can help you make the right micro decisions each day that add up to achieving it. 
The E is for exercise, which should come as no surprise. We need to move our bodies. So whether you head to the gym for a body pump class or head out the front door for a jog or even do some push-ups in your living room, move your body. The R is for reading. This could look like a professional development, a self-improvement book, an industry magazine, or the newspaper to stay on top of current events, or maybe a spiritual devotional, really anything that helps you grow and learn in some way. And finally, the second S is for scribing. Basically, writing, journaling, morning pages, just some form of writing in the mornings. This could obviously take a lot of different forms, too. My friend Jen shared in her Instagram story recently that she starts her mornings by getting everything out of her head onto paper and giving it to God to handle. She calls it casting her cares and that it makes a huge difference in how she starts her day. Tim Ferriss, author of The 4-Hour Workweek, 4-Hour Body, Tools of Titans, etc., etc., alternates between morning pages and what he calls the 5-Minute Journal. He uses his morning pages practice to get unstuck or problem solve, and he uses the five-minute journal for prioritizing and gratitude. So to recap the Lifesavers Miracle Morning, that's S for silence, A for affirmations, V for visualizations, E is for exercise, R is for reading, and the last S is for scribing. And no, you don't have to do them in that order. One more popular method for structuring your next level morning is by Claire Diaz-Ortiz, and it's mentioned in her book, Design Your Day, which might have been the first time management-focused book I ever read. Claire designed the present method. That's P for prayer, R for read. Claire usually chooses something scriptural or devotional. E for express, aka writing or journaling. S is for schedule, which looks like choosing your top priorities and mapping out your day. E for exercise, because moving your body is a good thing. N for nourish, which could mean eating breakfast or just doing something to feed your soul. And T for track, as in tracking how well you did at following your routine. You could also use track to track expenses or anything else that needs to be noted. And of course, there's no requirement that you do this in that exact order. You can design whatever next level morning works for you. So in Hal Elrod's Lifesavers method and Claire Diaz-Ortiz's present method, you've got two really great jumping off points for designing a next level morning. Just like designing a regular morning routine, which I covered in episode 17, the key to success here is actually writing down each step of your routine and how long you want to spend on it. Consider using a timer and not the one on your phone to keep you on track. I have a little cube timer that's a key part of my next level morning routine. Waking up with a plan and a little itinerary for your next level morning will cut back on any tough decision making like, well, what do I do now that your brain typically just isn't quite ready for yet? I do want to address a few what ifs real quick that might be on your mind. First, what if I'm a nurse or a server or a college student or something similar and don't have a consistent day-to-day schedule? I gotcha. You can totally still make this work for you. 
If you're getting up super early for a 12-hour shift that starts at 5 a.m., like many nurses I know, getting up at 3 a.m. doesn't really sound super fun. My best advice here is to really take advantage of your days off. There's no rule that you have to have a next-level morning every single day. If this is something that piques your interest, try it out on your next day off and stick to it on your off days or the days that you're heading into work at a somewhat normal time. Second, what if I work nights? Yikes. Working nights is tough. My husband, Scott, occasionally works projects that require him to turn his life upside down and work nights. When your time is flipped due to the night shift, your next level morning becomes your next level afternoon. Get your sleep and try waking up 30 to 45 minutes earlier to work your way through your professional development routine. Last one. What if I just had a baby or adopted a puppy and I'm not exactly getting a full night of luxurious sleep right now in order to wake up early and make this happen? All I can say is, hey, I feel you. Camilla still wakes us up during the night a few times a week, and I'm sure that will happen off and on for the next 18 years or so until she leaves for college. Do what you can. And you know what? Maybe right now isn't the best time for a next level morning because you're just trying to make it through the level you're in now. There's absolutely zero wrong with that. It doesn't mean you're a failure, and it doesn't mean you can't still grow as a person. I wrestled with this myself after Camilla was born. Before Camilla Jane joined the party, I had this awesome next level morning routine that looked like this. 5 a.m. Wake up, brush teeth, make coffee, put on workout clothes. 5.10, pray. 5.15, read. Typically a spiritual book like Jen Wilkins' Women of the Word. 5.30, journal. 5.40, meditate. 5.45, affirmations. I had a list of positive statements on a note card that I would read silently. I did this for about a minute or two. And then visualization. But instead of picturing something in my head, I'd look at my vision board that I'd made for the year, scanning it to reinforce what I was aiming for and check in with my progress on each piece. Then for the last 10 minutes, I looked at my calendar, set my top three priorities for the day, and then headed out the door to the gym at 6, was home by 7, and at my desk by 8.30. Major points to note, I didn't do every single piece every single day, but I typically did the whole routine three days a week and parts of it on other days. You also probably noticed that it doesn't fit either lifesavers or present to a T. I took the best parts of both routines and made my own. And I'll be honest, part of my goal in writing this episode is to design my new next level morning. And I don't expect that it will look the same as it did before. And I definitely know that it's likely to change again at some point. But I'm going to design something that works for me and supports my goals in this season of life. All right, that's it for today. Thanks again for tuning in. And I look forward to talking with you soon. 
Thanks for listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Head over to www.abouttimepodcast.com to join the conversation. Check out the show notes and dive into bonus content so you can start living your best life today. Love this episode? Be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode.